again. They see me rolling. They hate <laughs> Something, something, something riding dirty. Or we could do move in and move out. Hands up my hands and back up, back up. <laughs> well, we could. Tell me what you're gonna do now. <laughs> breathe in, no breathe out. No, every fucking time we do this, I end up singing and then you're like, we should use it. And then I'm like, no, dude, why the fuck do I keep singing? Oh, dude, we're back again. We are back, catching up and this time with real crime, as opposed to the crimeless catch-up from last week. Yeah, crimeless catch-up. I don't know, there were some big crimes. <laughs> crimes um, against what? Or crimes who? against me and my life. <laughs> uh, well, yes, true. Not during the recording, but no, as recanted I during the recording. Can, yeah. Well, well, okay, we should do the welcomes. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Crime by the Bar. Here we are. First proper episode of... Like, we've kind of started calling this a new season. This is a new season. Yeah. And uh, it's not just because it's winter season. It's... I mean, it is a new season. It's holiday season, even. Oh, it's holiday season. That's mm. so American. Is it? I, I feel like it's very American. Hmm. Holiday season? I don't know. I always associate it being American. I know to me, well, I see where that's coming from. For, to me, it's more of like, when I talk about like the holidays, that's spanning Christmas and New Year's. Just like combine them. Uh, I suppose if I'm talking about Christmas, I don't talk about the Christmas week. I talk about Christmas Eve, not day, um, specifically. <laughs> We're rambling. Yeah, these things happen. <laughs> that's why you all come here, right? I don't know, is that... Um, okay. But we are back for a new season. Indeed we are. And yeah, it, it, it's feeling very festive though. Um, we have our favourite fireplace on mm -hmm. and I have a Christmas tree up. We're recording in, in the studio that is my living room. Mm -hmm. And all the lovely Christmas smells. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. It's cedar oil and rosemary and mandarin oil and cinnamon and cloves. That is a very good combo. It's a good concoction. I think I picked out about 50% of that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and we have our red wine. As is mandatory. Hey, cheers to the new season. Cheers for a new season. We did all right. I must say, I okay, this does not translate well in podcast formats, but I am slightly in awe of your portion of red wine in your glass. It looks very solid. Yeah, I, I may as well have just hit a brick against your glass because it's just completely <laughs> yeah um i really didn't stick to abortion control i okay so i'm nursing a cold and this is to kill all of the germs i've decided so yeah i also i have no spatial awareness and i decided to finish the bottle and just upended what was left and it filled this very well yeah that's um, any of those reasons would be more than enough to justify that. <laughs> so I need to compensate myself. Nice job. <laughs> so I don't remember what, I mean, we're, we're doing less of a theme generally, I think we decided, but mm -hmm. um, what was the story? Because I have, this is a crime. So my crime this week, I've been saving for a really long time. Oh, really? 
to the extent that I really wanted to tell you about this crime ages ago, and I oh. didn't, and I've been holding back and holding back, and wait until I start telling you, and then you'll go, oh no, you told me about this before, and I'll feel like, for fuck's sake. Um, but <laughs> I, I think I've successfully avoided telling you about this crime for the entire four years that we've known each other. Is it four years? Oh. Uh, three and a half? Three, a bit more than three and a half, I think, yeah. 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 This is, um, it was my five year anniversary in Amsterdam last week. Oh, yeah. Nice. This time of year is uh, my Amsterversary. Amsterversary? Amsterdam anniversary. How did you celebrate? Um, I forgot. Oh. Um, and Wait, did you forget how you celebrated? Because that sounds like a good celebration. Or did you no. forget to celebrate? Do you know what I did? Um, so last weekend, I more or less locked myself in the house and didn't do anything. And. I had a wonderful weekend with myself and then, as you know, I spent a lot of Sunday cleaning the house. Yes. And then on Monday I was so exhausted from work that I came home and was so surprised the place was clean and smelled like <laughs> amazing, like like lemon cleaning products. I was like, what happened here? And they're oh yeah, I did that yesterday. You did that. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, good for me. Okay. That was so That was how I celebrated being in Amsterdam for five years. Cleaning the house and being antisocial, which, I mean, half of it's very core to my personality and the other half is just bizarre. So hmm. I'm naturally messy, messy person. And I'm just stuck thinking, I can't remember when I actually moved down properly. I should check that. That's a good it anniversary winter, to celebrate. It was winter, wasn't it? It was summer and I think it was early in the year, hmm. but me and time are not on the best terms. No? No. Did you have a falling out? Well, uh, I think the concept has given up on me because you know, I don't <laughs> pay enough attention to it, I suppose. Oh. Mm. <laughs> oh. But yeah, we had some chocolate ice cream. We mm. had some not so traditional tofu curry. Oh, it was delicious, though. But yeah, I'm, I'm feeling festive. The spice, the wine, the lights. We had music before I turned it off. Oh, all the Christmas tunes. It's feeling good. It's feeling really good. And um, I think as, yeah, this is my first solo Christmas in 10 years. Hmm. I'm excited. I'm very, what? very excited. And you are going back to Sweden. Socialist Sweden. Back to Socialist Sweden uh, for a um, working trip. <laughs> 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 no, I'm going to see family, but uh, I'm going to be haunted by my laptop for the most of that journey. There's worse things to be haunted by. Mm, true, true. I'll be haunted by my ex's stuff over Christmas. I'll be celebrating Christmas surrounded by his boxes. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe I'll just throw a blanket over them, decorate um, them with tinsel. Christmas is a time for miracles and maybe everything will be sorted and he'll just ship everything away. Maybe it'll all be gone. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Come on, Santa. Hook me up. That's I'm I'm hoping for a Christmas miracle. We will see. <laughs> we will see. Oh, okay. So this week, I want to get stuck into the crimes because I'm dying to tell you this one to the extent Ooh. that unless you feel very strongly, I would like to go first. Oh, really? Yes. We're not doing the worst it's, first thing? We should go worst first. Okay. Um, oh, I'm, I'm completely backwards. I was going to say the opposite. But since we're doing worst first, I can probably guarantee you that you're going first. <laughs> After all that. Yeah, 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 sorry. I, in my mind, it's been a long while since we've done some it crimes. Has. Okay, 
It, I mean, we've just been hanging out on the sofa and drinking too much and sitting near microphones, but not you for the most part recording it. Planning, organizing, structuring our it's, re-debut. I mean, yeah, we've had a solid four months of planning this season. <laughs> Amazing that, you know, I'm still scribbling <laughs> on my that. notes. This is, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> four months of planning and then we sit down and it's like, uh, is your crime three pages long? Shit, no, I sent you the wrong file. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and then I scribble all over my notes and decide I hate them. So Aww. nice planning. Um, but the crime is good enough to shine through that. Well, it's, you know what? I've, I've had I've had a few doubts. Maybe the crime is kind of crappy, but um, but it's close. It's It's got a, it's it's not really close to my heart, but well, we'll get there. Shall I tell you my story? Please tell me your story. Okay. Have you heard of Coltra in Northern Ireland? Coltra? Yeah. Or mm. Hollywood. Wait, what? Oh, um... That's where I'm from. That's where I grew up. So, Hollywood, uh, spelt Holywood, mm-hmm. um, it was apparently a pagan settlement, and then everyone there got super pretentious and started calling it Hollywood. Um... I, I don't know if that's true. But anyway, um, Hollywood is like a, I, I don't know, it's a town of about 15,000 people hmm. on Belfast Loch in Northern Ireland, which is in County Down. And yeah, and then there's a really small village near it called Cultural. Hmm. And I'm telling you about a story from there. I'm really excited. Yeah. So... Basically, there, there's this little row of three stone cottages. Back then, it was known as Pierview, and it's right on the seafront next to the local yacht club. Mm. You have like um, now the yacht club is uh, across the the access road, um, but back then you just had the uh, the slip and the mooring and moorings and everything else um, right in front of these houses, right by the beach, and. Um, so you have <laughs> these three houses and they're like, imagine really old, thick stone walls, very small little yeah, front yeah, garden yeah. area and a little path leading down with a stone wall in front of it. Mm-hmm. Super cozy, right on the water. Um, like not really big houses, but, you know, just just nice and amazing view. Mm. Um, and you're right there. Um, and also because it's right on the water, it's it's kind of quiet. You don't have traffic or anything like that. And they look more or less now as they did back then, um, back then being in 1933. Okay. So, as in they were built then? No. no. The story is from 1933. Oh, okay. The houses okay, are much okay. older. Okay. I'm not sure how, how much older. I would um, assume, yeah. But the house nearest the access road, um, back then it was called Sunnybank. But today it is called Five Seafront Road. And as a kid, I lived there. Oh. Yes. Huh. Okay, this is really close. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I must say, that is something that I've always kind of loved, the uh, like individual naming of houses as in, instead of having addresses. Like, it's it's lovely, but it's also yeah. a complete pain in the arse whenever oh, you're trying to post anything or find it. Like, absolutely. It's like, <laughs> oh, I live at Sunnybank. Like, where is that? Oh, you go down Cultural Avenue and then you take a left onto blah, blah, blah. And... <laughs> Like, seriously? Like, look, it's just number five seafront road, you'll find it. But anyway, back then, uh, William and Fanny Barber lived there. So William was a 78-year-old retired police sergeant with the RIC, which is the Royal Irish Constabulary. 
vocabulary. Constabulary. Yeah. <laughs> words, words, and I'm not even into this <laughs> glass of wine properly. Um, he'd retired, but he was now getting some extra earnings as a rent collector. Hmm. He definitely had two daughters and a son with his first wife. Um, I'm not sure what happened there. But he was now on to his second wife, um, who was Fanny. Fanny was 44 years old um, and she'd married William 19 years earlier. As was standard of the time, she she didn't work. She um, spent a lot of time knitting socks, apparently. She was oh. quoted as talking about knitting his socks and keeping the household and everything else. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> totally odd. So whenever they got married, he would have been 69 and she would have been 25. Just to oh. put it in perspective. Oh, okay, okay. Yep, um, brain jumping between the edges, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently they did have children. Um, I, in a news report I found it said there were children of the marriage, but I couldn't find any more information on it. Hmm. But they, you know, they 19 years of marriage is pretty solid. Um, True. So... On the 6th of September 1933, Fanny and William's niece, Isabel Martin, arrived for a visit um, down from Derry, Londonderry. We're not getting into the politics of it all again, but here we go. Um, it's it's about 70 miles or 110 kilometres away. Um, and she actually stayed with them for several months. So that's kind of crazy. Like, can you imagine being a house guest for a couple of months? Not really. Me uh, like, neither. I'm guessing it was... Well, no, a couple of months is even... Even if we're talking like the olden days, like way before this yeah. era, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that is a long time. Like, yeah. Yeah, sure. If back in the days where you have to basically walk or have carriage and it was a harsh winter, like sure, you need to stay. But but it's like 70 miles away. It's not. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of weeks. Come on. Um, so next door to William and Fanny, there was a guy called Peter Conlon and I think he actually lived in the the next house along, which is now 3 Seafront Road, but it's kind of difficult to tell because with all these names of all the houses, who knows? But anyway, I'm I'm going to take you back, picture it. The house is decorated and festive. It's dark outside. It was the night before Christmas, (gasps) 85 years ago. Christmas Eve. Yes. 85 years ago. 85 years ago. My childhood home. (laughs) (laughs) And the barbers had invited a friend, Mrs. Dornan, to visit friend Dundonald and the four of them. So Isabel, the niece, Mrs. Dornan, uh, William and Fanny were spending the evening in the dining room. And yeah, they they seemed to have a very nice evening. And shortly after 8 p.m., Mrs. Dornan decided she was going to head home to Dundonald, which is um, just over the Hollywood Hills. So mm-hmm. like not far at all. I don't know. Uh, I know how long it takes in a car, but I have no idea of distance. But <laughs> it's it's not far. And William was offering to walk her to the bus stop. But um, Fanny's insisting, no, 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 it's cold and it's damp. And, you know, you need to take care of yourself. You need to take care of your health. Um, well, it, I mean, he was senior citizen basically yeah i mean there's a (laughs) chunky age gap there and it's cold it's winter it's dark like yeah and then the niece isabel was offering to to walk mrs dornan to the bus stop instead and it went Mm. back and forth and um this is semi-relevant but anyway um yeah and fanny is sort of going no 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 like I, i don't want anyone leaving like let's let's just all stay here and you know mrs dornan will be fine it's not far anyway um mm. eventually isabel walks uh, mrs dornan to the bus stop and it's 
maybe about 20 past eight at this point. And off they go through the front door, which is locked, double locked behind them. Hmm. So we later know that Peter Conlon, the, the neighbor, was in his sitting room when he was startled by a loud noise. This was somewhere between 8.15 and 8.30, he said. He couldn't be sure of the time. Mm-hmm. He said at first he thought it was a picture that had fallen to the floor in his dining room, just mm-hmm. off the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to have a look around, see if he could find the noise, couldn't find, whatever. Um, so he just went back and um, chilled out in his, his living room. But at around 10 to 9, he heard another single noise and it seemed to be somewhere near the boats in front of the houses, so like more in front of um, the the barbers' houses. But it, that's that's what he thought it was. Now, with the first yeah. one, he also thought he could feel some sort of vibration or something, which was like, oh. I mean, maybe it makes sense if you feel a picture fall off the wall. It, but yeah. I mean, weird. But this one, he said it, it sounded like a car door being slammed hmm. in 1933. But okay, mm. fine. So, so that was basically, well, let's say approximately uh, 30 minutes later. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, 20, 20, 30 minutes later, something like that. Mm. Um, so 10 to 9. Um, Isabel got back to the house around 9 p.m. and she rang the doorbell. Now, Fanny called down from an upstairs window rather than opening the door um, to say there'd been a rough man that was lurking around and just to come through the back of the house. So Isabel goes to the back of the house and the the back door is also locked shut, which was kind of unusual. Like Hmm. it's this is a really sleepy village. So Hollywood is like, I think, 15,000 people today, maybe 5,000 back back then. Hmm. And cultural is even smaller. And, you know, it's you just... It, it's it's weird yeah. um so the back door is locked and isabel sort of wondering if her aunt is messing with her or what the story is because it's a bit like what, what's going on here um so then she tries a side door on the house and as she's trying the side door which is also locked fanny has by the stage come down and she's come through the garage and um, the garage, which it never occurred to Isabel to come in through the garage, because why would you? It's a bit weird. Yeah. But Fanny came out through the garage and at this point just came came right up to Isabel. And Isabel had a torch in her hand because, of course, it's dark out. Mm. Took the torch and, and led her back through the house, through the garage. So through the main big door in the garage, through the little door um, into the house, then through the scullery area. And then um, they sort of stop in the kitchen. And... Fanny told Isabel that she wanted her to see what what had happened and asked her to follow her into the hallway. Okay, not ominous at all. Yeah, Isabel, this this all feels a bit weird, but she she later said she felt giddy, so she she went back into the yard, and Fanny followed her back into the yard. So okay, yeah, weird. They decide to head over to Peter, the neighbor's house. Um, it's really not far, like the closest part of his house to the closest part of their house is like eight, eight yards, eight meters away. Um, they get to the house. Fanny tells Peter something terrible had happened. Ask him, did you see a man prowling about the back of my house this evening? He said, no. And she asked, well, did you hear him? He said, no, I don't think so. The, the dogs seemed excited because they had dogs, but, mm. you know, no. And she told them 
she told him that there'd been a prowler lurking in the garage and he'd been there all night. And um, like the whole thing just seemed kind of weird. Um, so they, you know, it's a really short walk. They're back at the house. Fanny's muttering something at this point about poor darling lying in the hall. Um, and then all three of them go back into the house again via the garage. And as they're going through the garage, Fanny's flashing the torch all around saying, be careful, the scoundrel might be hiding there, which again is super weird considering two women have just come through there on their own. And, and like, yeah, and, and she didn't have the freak out with Isabel, apparently. Yeah, And why would she choose to go out through the garage if that was where it was? Hiding? This right? is just this Did, is messy. I, I, yeah, creepy. Mm. Um so at this point, they whenever they're getting to the back door, like into the house itself, mm. the barber's two dogs come out of the kitchen. Don't really know why they weren't making noise and kicking off earlier, but fine. Um, they, they come out of the kitchen. Um, Isabel ends up staying in the kitchen and Fanny leads Peter through to the hallway saying, come till you see my poor darling. And she then shines the torch down the hallway towards the front door. At this point, Peter sees William Barber lying sort of propped up against the front door. So like back against the front door, sort of mm. slumped. One leg is under him. One leg is out straight. Um, he has his right arm out with the right palm facing up and balanced on his right forearm is a revolver. On the forearm? On the forearm. And as far as I can tell, he's also right-handed, FYI. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, it, and it's it's a small revolver, um, but you can imagine um, Peter is freaked out. Mm -hmm. um, immediately alerts the police, who hadn't actually been called at this point, and the police come down from Hollywood. And they're because it's an ex police officer. Um, mm -hmm. There's at least five policemen who who come out, um, as well as a doctor. So there's very little blood in the house. They pick up. Um, they pick up William from the hallway and um, move him to the living room next door and lie him down on the sofa to do a preliminary examination. Bear in mind, it's Wait. 1933. He is thoroughly dead. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I was going to ask if he had any like, visible um, gunshot wounds or good so. Good but... question. So initially they go, it's clearly a suicide. They lie him out on the sofa and they see that he has um, what appears to be a bullet wound under his ear. Hmm. Um, and going downwards and he has another one in his chest. Um, so yes, definitely okay. not suicide. Yeah. Um, the hair around the, the, the bullet wound by his ear, mm. um, is all singed. So it's really short range, they think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the one... The one in his chest is, um, at this point, they, they're they not too sure, but basically it turns out to be long distance. Well, long-ish distance. Um, yeah. Let me find my list. They said it was at least, sorry, they said it was at least eight inches, um, so 20 centimeters away whenever the, the bullet was fired. Now, what's kind of interesting about that is, so we later find out that the bullet by William's ear had been shot at an angle of 30 degrees and the chest wound had been inflicted at an angle of 45 degrees just above the right shoulder. Um, there, so, yeah. so the 30 degrees was, you said it was from above. Above. So 30 degrees downwards. Yeah. And you said the chest wound was 45 degrees. So even yeah. further up. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So 
Um, just for a bit of context as well, he's a big guy. He's six foot one. Mm. Even at his age, he's six foot one, which is 185 centimeters. Thank you. Didn't even have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> and Fanny was four foot two. She's 127 centimeters. She's like a smallish lady. Wait. Wait, 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 127? Mm -hmm. That can't be right. Yeah. Hold on. That does seem insane. That is insane. Hold on. Um, I'm sure I read it in multiple sources. Now I want to find out. Yeah. Multiple sources, definitely. Yep. It's definitely. Yep. She was 127 centimeters. She was a tiny lady. That is basically from my shoulder to my arm it's less than that i think no it's not is it four foot two four foot like two from, is from my sternum to my fingertips is uh, one meter okay yeah but you're a massive human being yeah but i'm holding out for context and for your pleasure dear right. listeners so <laughs> for your pleasure dear listeners i'm sorry continue <laughs> that was wonderful um what what's 127 centimeters off the ground like this people were shorter back then yeah but he's 6'1 which is super tall so massive age difference and massive height difference can people get over that well I mean yes <laughs> what is that supposed to mean <laughs> well, no, I'm only talking about the height difference but yeah uh, there we go yeah. <laughs> 13 years well, one and at a time, at 6 least. inches or something I don't know anyway uh, mm. He's he's six four and I'm five nine. Hmm. They, um. Yeah, four foot two, so oh. one hundred and twenty seven centimeters. So now let's go back. The bullet wounds. Yeah. So thirty <laughs> degree just by the ear downwards, and then forty five through the body from the right shoulder. So you said this was in a hallway. Well, he was found in a hallway. Mm. I was going to ask if there were any um, staircases or like... Um, well, that's... What do you call it when... Well, this like is a the cool thing. thing. I lived in this house. Yeah, you, you, you should know. No, there isn't. I mean, there is a staircase, but mm. um, where he's found is with his back against the double bolted front door. Mm -hmm. And it's too far away from the staircase. The staircase is towards the back and you can see it from the house, but the angle doesn't make sense at all. The Wait, other... I was going to say mm -hmm. in bed, but that doesn't really make sense unless he slept with his head away from the wall. Yeah, and the bedrooms are upstairs. Mm -hmm. And there's no blood in the hallway. Hmm. And she's six foot, sorry, four foot two. Mm -hmm. How is she going to get the body down there? I mean, it's downstairs. So you grab the sheets and like roll him down the stairs. No, 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 maybe nope. not. <laughs> and then slump him there. Hmm. And this all happened in... 40 minutes? Hmm. About 40 minutes. That's, That's what we're true. talking about. It's really, really close in the timings. Oh, I forgot about the noises. Yeah, the yeah. noises. So there was, so we heard one noise somewhere between 8.15 and 8.30. So, I mean, it could be the door slamming, but presumably mm. the neighbor knows what it sounds like when the door slams. Mm. Um, and then there was the other one just 10 minutes before Isabel got home. Okay, I probably should uh, save my speculation and questions until um, towards the end. Uh, but Do you want to go now? You can go now. Okay, just one quick thing. Mm -hmm. Considering the duration between the noises, yeah, 
and the angle, I don't have a solution for all of them, but the uh, behind the ear, yeah, the suicide shot, yeah, that could have been it's like a close range thing, could have been after he was slumped down, down on the ground, trying to sort the suicide angle. What you think it would have been self inflicted? No, 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 uh, as in the first shot, I have no answer for the angle there maybe he was crawling on all force or oh, something that's creepy uh, that's a scary image and then shot from a relatively low angle yeah but he could have been tilted but shot in the chest first yeah then after death or dying mm-hmm. he slumped lean back and then okay time to make it look like a suicide hmm. then do just like he's down on the floor you can just do the angle pop it and put the gun in a very conspicuous manner on his arm really weird position by the way they couldn't pull any fingerprints from the gun because of the texture of the grip which is super annoying yeah Hmm. um i'll go back to your theory on the crawling thing that freaks me out by the way the image of that is really scary what's Hmm. interesting in one of the later court cases Hmm. there was a, a doctor um who came over from glasgow the reason i know that is because um the prosecution made a really bitchy comment about oh. the guy being from Glasgow um like oh. the boat back to Glasgow is at 6:30 or something like that Oof. and um the defense then demanded that the prosecution issue an apology and the judge made a comment that you probably should but I'm not going to insist and it oh. turned into this whole big drama in the courtroom and the <laughs> Scottish doctor was really not impressed but I can imagine the, the Scottish doctor um testified that at 79 even though William Barber was in fairly good health, he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been doing anything after being shot. So if if he was shot while crawling, then he would have been hmm. he he wouldn't have been shot at all. Um, it, it would have been the first shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Which is creepy. Um, hmm. So the house was like completely Christmased up. By the way, like. There was Ooh. decorations everywhere well, of and course. there were cards sitting out in a tray in the living room and <laughs> there was even uh, a Dickens novel sitting open as if it was just being read. Um, <laughs> apparently F- Fanny and William had been sitting listening to the wireless, how old school, wireless uh, before um, she heard uh, a noise of someone at the door. This is the story that came out. Um, mm. And... This intruder, who she described as being between 45 and 50 years old, male, square-faced, red face, um, wearing a dirty grey tweed suit with a hat that was pulled down over his eyes. He burst in, into the kitchen. He, this is a quote, he tried to make a grab at her Hmm. um, and then she screamed, ran off upstairs, locked herself in a bedroom um, as he is then having some sort of physical fight. Um, she thinks, perhaps? Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, words are really eluding me tonight. No, no, that just fit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Um, but I'm doing this from memory. I'm not even reading my script right no, now. No, I know. And that's amazing. That's amazing. I, uh, I will say for split second, I was really hoping that the like um, description of the assailant would uh-huh. be... Um, I know, Scrooge, basically. No, Scrooge, just Scrooge, sorry. Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, I was going to say, it's McDuck, isn't it? (laughs) It's the Glasgow thing, it's making me mix stuff up. Oh. I really, it's too many lemsips. Could have been Duffman, though. 
deaf man. No, we're ruining it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so she apparently went upstairs and locked herself in a bedroom and they had some sort of an altercation and that that was it. She said she didn't come out until um, nine o'clock whenever Isabel came home. That was the initial story. Okay. okay. It, it gets a little bit sketchier as we go on. Hmm. Um, well, sketchier, I don't know. It was pretty sketchy to begin with. Um, yes. But... Yeah, so that was apparently what happened according to her. So, William had the two injuries, uh, the bullet wounds. There weren't really any signs of a struggle in the house or on him. So, there, you know, there were no scratches, there, mm. there were no bruises reported, mm. anything like that. And the house was really just as if you'd walked in during Christmas festivities. There were a few odd things. There was um, a pipe that had just been lit and it had rolled onto the under the sofa or rolled onto the floor next to the sofa in the kitchen. Mm. And then they found bullets in the kitchen. So one of them had hit um, a chair in the kitchen. One of them had ricocheted off the wall. And um, sure enough, whenever they checked the gun, it was a five chamber gun. Three of the bullets were spent and two were still in the chamber, one of which had misfired. Wait, so... Oh, okay, so the there was just one bullet in the kitchen. It was just it had ricocheted. So there was and... one bullet that was embedded, I think, either in the wall or in a chair. And yeah. there was one that had ricocheted and was found on the floor in the kitchen. That was two. Yeah, I I don't know and... what happened to the third bullet. It might have still been in him. Oh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't read was, too much into it. I was going to say it was in him, but he had two gunshot wounds. He had two gunshot wounds, but one of the, I think it was the chest wound they thought had come out. Okay, no, no, I did not get it. Okay, so one went through him and landed in the kitchen, presumably. Okay. Okay, awesome. So then we're good. Um, I find it super weird that there was a misfired bullet in there. Do you think, you know, all all the bullets would have been spent otherwise? Like, was it just bang, 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 bang? Yeah, and that kind of ruins the, um, well, at least my theory with like staging it as a suicide yeah because you wouldn't fire another shot after that yeah as few as possible right mm. Mm. the whole thing is super sketchy mm-hmm. so on christmas day all of the police officers came to the house and did really really thorough investigation because you can mm-hmm. imagine like eight nine o'clock on uh, christmas eve no one is that fussed about dealing with it like okay ex-police officer but you would be raging being mm. called out on christmas eve um I mean, you wouldn't pick up the phone or you wouldn't answer well i guess that's why you have people on christmas shift but um yeah so christmas day these per officers have to go out and like go through the entire house and they do go through the entire house mm. yeah they they find a gold pocket watch. They find money. How much did they find? It was it worked out to be about three thousand dollars in today's money. I think it was sixty four pounds. Sorry, forty six pounds. Hmm. Um, yeah, they find a gold pocket watch and they found a whole bunch of other valuables all in the house. Actually, the money was in the wallet in the living room, so like within really easy oh, reach. Okay. Pocket watch was also sitting out. There were a lot of things that if someone was there for money, then they could have really just taken and, mm. and disappeared. And £46 was, you know, it's a lot of money back then. It was a good haul. Um, yeah. So they also, yeah, determined no signs of a struggle. You know, it, something is really not adding up. 
on Boxing Day, they do the full autopsy. Um, mm. Actually, at Queen's University in Belfast, if anyone knows what that is. You hey, do know what that is. I've heard of it. Um, yeah, they they have a medical examiner there that, that checks out William. Um, they end up determining that he must have been lying on his right side. They, they then suspect it was in the sofa in the kitchen when the shot was fired. They think another shot had been taken and missed, and that was the one that um, hit the kitchen wall. Mm. And then the last one was the one that went into his chest. So they think it was ear first. Oh, really? Ear first. Yeah. Whoa. Then missed one and then chest. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Lying on the sofa yeah. makes the angles make way more sense. Right. And mm-hmm. then he's presumably smoking the pipe and the pipe had just been lit. So the pipe that was found... Mm. Um, I guess he was smoking. I mean, not that it really matters, but it just paints a picture, right? Sitting there, Christmas Eve, listening to the wireless, smoking a pipe, chilling out. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. No, okay. So especially if the ear was first, then the bang, bang, bang is almost exactly what I was going to say, because then we're talking someone just trying to fire as much as possible. They miss one shot, they hit the other, then it jams and they can't fire anymore. So then... Yeah, bang, 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 bang with the jam on the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That that makes more sense. Yeah. But still. Mm. Um, (laughs) So what was sort of interesting is um, in the months leading up to the death, the... um, the barbers had both been to to see doctors together. Mm. So... First of all, Fanny was really worried that her husband was trying to um, have her committed and have her declared insane. Oh. And it's it's quite a difficult one to work out whether or not this this is her being paranoid or it, it was a sign of the times and, you know, the husband really was trying to say she's hysterical and blah, 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 and she needs to be committed. Um, but there, there are a whole bunch of odd things that happen. Um, first of all, I'll, I'll tell you about this, this doctor's visit because it is kind of important. Um, there's mm. a specific doctor's visit, I think around October, so f- a few months before uh, the murder. Mm-hmm. And she actually has the doctor declare her as being sane and gets a certificate from the doctor to say she is legally sane, which is so funny after our conversation earlier. I was just going to say. But (laughs) no, she gets a a certificate to say that she is sane. And she expresses to not only the doctor, but later the neighbor, Peter, um, as well, that she's worried that her husband's going to try to get her committed. Hmm. Um, Meanwhile, her husband also has an appointment with the doctor and... um, He's apparently in really, really good health, all things considered. Mm-hmm. And apparently Fanny made the comment to the neighbor, Peter, after this doctor's appointment that her husband was in really good health. And he he sort of said, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. He's in such great condition considering, you know, he's, he's getting along a bit sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and Fanny said, yeah, I wonder if the old fool will ever die. Um, it was brought up in court later on and <laughs> the prosecutor said, um, did, did you take it as a threat against like murdering yeah, yeah. him? And then Peter just said, no, I took it as a joke. Um, he was asked about the couple's relationship and he said that they appeared to be happy and, um, yeah, he heard them arguing, but, and this is to me such a sign of the times, but maybe it's not. Um, but no more than was usual between a husband and wife. <laughs> Um, the other thing that's sort of a little bit odd is 
the Fanny was described as being agitated the evening of uh, the murder, but you know maybe mm-hmm. that's normal enough. But after William's body was moved onto the sofa to be examined, um, Isabel was was quite upset, and the doctor doing the examination offered some pills to both Isabel and Fanny. Isabel, like you do, yeah. Isabel was pumped and just give me a handful. Um, I mean, well, Isabel did take some, but Fanny was like actually kind of offended. Um, and she, her demeanor was, was quite calm, all things considered. Um, she really didn't seem that uh, upset by anything. And she, she refused the, the offer of having a tablet to calm her down. Um, it, it could be as simple as maybe she was trying to be really composed because she was worried about being declared insane. And actually on Boxing Day, the same doctor that had declared her sane previously mm-hmm. took it back and said, actually, she is insane now. And she was committed to an asylum. What? Yeah, she was committed to an asylum just a couple of days after the murder. And uh, Don Patrick Asylum, if anyone's curious, um, it's beautiful area but um i have no idea about the asylum (laughs) and yeah she she stayed there uh until march um she was required to stay there and then after that she moved to another facility um on her own free will but she wanted to stay um which is quite strange especially after she wanted to stay in the facility yeah or that specific facility well she wanted to stay in care Oh, okay. So yeah, it's it's super strange. Um, there were mm-hmm. some odd things that that I found during the research. So she had, I think it was a cousin. No, it was her sister lived in Bangor, which is fifteen twenty miles away. So uh, that is thirty, no more than thirty two kilometers away. Mm-hmm. And she she had this whole thing with going down to visit her sister, and then. Um, it's, it's like a straight, there's one road that goes between where she lived mm. and the town that her sister lived in. Like there's one main road. Um, and she was on the bus at a certain point and she was really convinced they weren't on the right road. But there is no other road and it's really obvious that it is the right road. Like mm. even back then it would have been. Um, and she ended up changing her mind, deciding she wanted to go back and just odd things like this. And maybe, you know, I do a lot of strange things as well. And I suppose if... Uh, if we want to talk in six months' time about all the crazy stuff I did <laughs> six, nine months ago, then I'm sure we can find a, a nice irrational list. But, you know, it may, maybe there's something in it. Maybe there was something going on. Maybe her husband was gaslighting her. Maybe she was freaked out by the mm-hmm. whole thing. But, yeah, she was she was committed just after the murder. Um, so, meanwhile, they are checking out the will. Um, The will had been made in 1920, so 13 years before, six Mm. years into their marriage, and was produced by William's solicitor. It left everything to his wife, and in the will, he declared, My children will not, I am satisfied, attribute their not receiving any pecuniary benefit hereunder to any lack of parental affection or regard of them by me. And they will understand that my duty to my dear wife, who has made my home and my latter life so comfortable and happy, and for whom I have a, <laughs> I have a deep affection, um, imposes on me the necessity of making all of the provision my small, limited means enables me for her future. Oh. Deep affection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm just like, <laughs> come on, I roll. Oh, it's the cynic in me and the romantic in you. Um, but 
Yeah, well, okay, it was a slight moment of the romantic in me, but then also remembering. So what, he had definitely five kids, but probably more. Why five? Oh, you didn't say from the first marriage? He had three. Oh, three, oh. He had three. My bad. He had he, two, two daughters He definitely and a son. had a sum of kids plus more. He had at least three kids. <laughs> he had three kids plus potentially some with uh, Fanny, but mm. I don't know why I didn't hear anything about the kids. Hmm. Um from them and why they were not there on Christmas see the only thing I could find about them having kids was in an old newspaper called the Northern Wake mm-hmm. and it just and the Northern Wake is now a bar um, I used to enjoy going hey. there but um, yeah I know I was like oh it really was a newspaper it wasn't just themed oh, that's cool <laughs> but um, yeah they it, it, it made reference to uh children being produced out of the marriage yes. like and that was it so fine Production. um but there, there were a few other things that made me think maybe some of the children had died oh. or died during childbirth or died young or something like that so it could be as simple as that here i was thinking like boarding school but yeah that is possible they've been married 19 years so oh yeah true might be out in the world as well yeah, so the kids from his first marriage, there was uh, the son who was in the Navy and about to return. Um, there was a daughter who was a nurse, and then there was a daughter who was uh, married and a housewife. Hmm. Okay. So I, I don't know their ages. Um, I couldn't even find anything on the first wife. But so, yeah, she she's basically carted off to uh an institution um the police at this point have decided that they don't believe her story at all and they're they're pretty much thinking it was her it was her and we're not looking at anyone else and they seem to start building their case around that Hmm. um they don't believe the intruder story they don't believe anything but they also think we can't really prosecute while she's in um in a hospital Yeah, yeah But by September the following year, she is released um, or she's declared sane or sane enough to stand trial. Um, Again. <laughs> so she is charged and with with murder. And the first trial starts around December, December of 2014. Uh, sorry, December of <laughs> <In the 1934. laughs> Yeah, so... She was charged in September 1934 and on the 7th of December, the the new trial began. And I love this description. She dressed all in black in a fur trimmed coat with a black hat and um, showed up being very hysterical and pled not guilty. So she really, she freaked out. She went, she was really having none of this. She showed up. She refused to sit at the desk next to her lawyer. Um, They also had... um, I, who was it? It was something quite strange. They had I mean, someone else sitting. They did go into enough details, though, because if if we're just talking mm-hmm. documents from this time and they're just saying that she acted hysterical, I mean, that could be. Oh, no, no, no. It, in... could, it, it could be a massive exaggeration. But um, spoiler alert, there is more than one trial. And oh. the second trial, she's really composed. So I'm inclined to believe hmm. she at least behaved a little bit uh, eccentrically um, okay. for the first trial. Okay, okay. So they they had basically a support worker and her defense um, sitting at the table and she refused to sit with them. So she came in, refused to sit at the, the right table, strangely sat down next to her niece, 
who was um, oh. presumably a witness for the prosecution. Huh. And after a little while, they didn't acknowledge each other. They didn't speak. She just sat down next to her, which I find super freaky, um, and eventually was convinced to sit at the defense table. The other interesting thing with the niece is um, whenever they were initially interviewing the niece on the night of the murder, mm-hmm. Fanny did some sort of weird face thing. A signal. Yeah, maybe. Um, she pulled a face and it's it's described in, in various ways. But I mean, I, I guess a grimace, maybe a grimace is the, the most neutral way of putting it because <laughs> they're, they're just, there are a whole bunch of odd descriptions of it. But she pulled okay. a face, um, maybe as a warning, maybe as a, I mean, shush, or maybe as a put your shit together. I don't know. But um, how weird is it that she refused to sit at the defense table and sat down next to her niece, who she didn't speak to, and mm. had also done this weird thing on the night of the murder as well? Yeah. And then for the niece to not want to see her uncle and to not really hear the whole story, refusing to walk into the hallway, like the mm. whole thing is a little bit, did she know more? Had she already seen him? I mean, what happened there? Mm. Cutting to the chase the trial went on for a few weeks. The jury couldn't come to a decision. So they ended up having to scrap it completely and have a new trial. And the new trial took place uh, in the new year. And after everything, the jury came back and found Fanny Barber guilty of murder on the 12th of March, 1935. So it was a good year and a bit um, after the murder, a year and four months. And through the second trial, Fanny had been pretty chill, nothing weird going on, no funny faces, no mm. hysteria as the menfolk would like to describe it until the guilty sentence was read and mm. the jury had asked for leniency in the sentencing. The judge ignored it and sentenced her to death, death by oh. hanging. And this was oh. one of the last ever um, death sentences that was handed down in Northern Ireland. Huh. And, um, and it was one of the few cases where a woman was sentenced to death. It was incredibly uncommon. But she was so overcome by grief. I, I hate saying hysteria. It's, you know, it's littered throughout every report. Yeah, <laughs> and so it, it is a horrible word. But like I can get that someone gets a bit panicky at that stage. A little bit. I mean, mm. you're going to die. Like, yeah. Um, but what what I thought was sort of sweet is, so she had this massive uh overwhelming reaction mm. um she couldn't be calmed so they called a doctor who gave her a morphine injection hmm. in the courtroom <laughs> they gave her a morphine injection in the courtroom and they had her sitting there nice and chill and buzzed and uh then the judge said the position you find yourself in is indeed a terrible one i shall not add to your pain except to say the verdict is not only justified on the evidence but it was the only one an honest jury could come to I shall not add to your pain. I'm just going to hang you. Pretty much, yeah. Hmm. And you deserve it, love. Yeah. Um, so this was 12th of March. The execution date was set for the 5th of April. Somehow it ended up getting postponed and then it ended up being changed. And yeah, it the sentence ended up being commuted. She did go to prison, but she only stayed there until the 14th of September, 1942. After that, she was released. So she went... What? Yeah, what? yeah. Sudden? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> she went from jury can't, can't reach a verdict to jury finding her guilty to you're going to die in three weeks. Um, glad you're high on morphine now, but enjoy it while it lasts. Um, to... Eh, 
will not kill her. And then you'll, you'll just stay in prison for life. And then eventually, yeah, we'll free you. 14th of September, 1942. Off you go. So she spent less than eight years in prison. Um, the other thing which I find quite odd is um, after the first trial, she was sent back to jail in a taxi. Wouldn't the police huh. take her? How weird is that? Yeah, one would think. Yeah, but no, taxi. Um, huh. It's an utterly bizarre place. Um <laughs> There were a few interesting things that came out in trial. So the will, um, of course, everything was left to her. There were some suggestions that perhaps there was a later will where things were left to the kids or it was split up. But the prosecution pointed out that there was no reason to believe the marriage was unhappy and that anything had changed. There were a few odd things that um, came out to do with insurance policies on him. There Mm. were a few insurance policies and Isabel, the niece, made a strange comment to the police on the night of the murder, allegedly made a comment to them because she later denied it in court, Mm. um, saying that Fanny had asked her to take out uh, life insurance on her uncle Mm. in her name. So, but then she denied it and the whole thing was a bit weird. Um, In the end the entire amount that she would have got from the insurance policies would have been £270, bearing in mind Mm. um, that's about $17,500 in today's money. So it's like, you know, it's it's not nothing, but it's not really enough for her to live on. Um, I mean, she would own a house as well. And property taxes are expensive. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, to, to me, I'm thinking... 17,000 or 270 pounds to live out your days when you're 44. That doesn't seem like enough. Um, But yeah, maybe. But also comparing, like, I I thought of this earlier. So, wait, how old was he when he died? Was it 79? 79, yeah. So it's not like he was a spring chicken. Like, how many years has he got left? And it's 1933. And I'm thinking he's probably not pulling in that much income with the... So he'd been retired um, since before they got married, but he was doing this rent collection thing. Yeah, 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 but still, and like, how long would he be able to do that? I don't know. It's cold outside. It's cold and it's damp. I mean, he shouldn't even walk down to the bus stop. (laughs) Right. Mm. Um, I don't know. It, It was a bit strange. Fanny had also made comments about how her um her husband was a bit of a scrounge and um like basically cheap and never gave her any money and mm. how she wasn't even allowed to really leave the house cuz she was always stuck knitting him socks and stuff like that like she made some really weird kind of mean comments mm. um after he died and there there was a smattering of odd comments that she'd made to the neighbor for example but yeah i and whenever the police were um getting a bit more aggressive in their line of questioning on the light of mm. night of the murder she said that um, it's his children that are trying to do her out of um, out of the will. Oh. Yeah, she said, this is a plan of his family to do me out of the place. He was an old scrounge. He never gave me anything, only what barely kept the house. He always said he was putting it by for me, but I know who he was putting it by for. And she didn't really explain herself. Oh. So she... It, it could be a bit of paranoia or it could be real. Um, there was another report I read that seemed to say he actually owned another property and was taking rent on it, but maybe it was uh, lost somewhere that really he was actually rent collecting because oh. there were a lot of reports that said he was 79 instead of 78. Mm. Um, so there are a lot of things that are conflicting. It's possible it was just wrong. It was a um, long time ago. So Yeah, I'm surprised I find so much information on it. You have a lot, which is uh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now, 
there was one other thing that kind of throws a spanner in the works for me. I am all on the side of trophy wife killing the husband, not quite sure how she managed it, but you know, I'm, I was firmly in that camp. However, there was another neighbor, um, not super close neighbor, um, but a woman called Elizabeth Richardson. She also lived in Kiltraw. Apparently between 8.30 and 8.45 on Christmas Eve, a man had come to her door asking if she knew where the barbers lived. And she told him. She didn't know the barbers well, but she knew of hmm. them. And yeah, the, the house was about 10 minutes walk away. She, she told them where it was. Now, the witness said it didn't even occur to her that it had anything to do with the murder until months and months later. So it was nine months later that she came forward and told them this guy came to the door. Don't have a description for the guy. I guess she doesn't remember either. Um, but she had no reason to lie about it. And she wasn't friends with the barbers. She didn't even know them, not really. Hmm. Um, but it is super strange. The defense claimed it, it proved that there was someone who was um, lurking around. And the defense was trying to suggest that perhaps it was someone that um, Mr. Barber had co collected rent from or something like that. But it would need to be personal, otherwise you would steal the money, right? Probably, yeah. Like there is always the chance that someone was aiming to steal the money, but then was got disturbed. interrupted. Whoops! This dude got killed, and then they panic and run without it, taking the stuff. I mean, it's not impossible, but yeah. I, I'm on your side now. Oh, you know what? You saying that has just brought me back to this moment. So I was, I was going to contest and say. How would that happen? Because they were in the house the whole time. But if they didn't lock the doors, mm. what's to stop the guy just wandering in? Yeah. Um, if he's, if William's chilling out, mm. smoking a pipe, lying down. Oh. But I mean, we do have, what's the statement changed regarding the intruder? Because we do have the statement that uh, the wife was, how did you put it? Um, he made a grab at her. A grab, yes. Yeah. I would assume that she might have made some kind of noise or so. Yeah, I think she screamed. Um, yeah. So and if she did that... Then he would have been woken up. Maybe she was just trying to cover because... Yeah. But if he was woken up by that, yeah. his first instinct would not be to stay lying down lighting a pipe. No, I'm thinking she's lying about that more than anything else. Mm. But um, so I'm glad you brought that up again. So her story... She didn't seem to tell the whole thing to Isabel, but maybe that's because Isabel knew more than she was letting on anyway. Fanny said her and William had been sitting listening to the wireless after they'd left um, to go to the bus stop and um, they were just chilling out. She then went into the kitchen and at some point the this intruder comes in through the back door um, makes a grab at her. She screams. She runs off upstairs to the bedroom. And meanwhile, a uh, struggle ensues, um, which there's no evidence of. Hmm. Now, one of the questions that was put to her in court was, why didn't you run out the front door? Mm -hmm. Because to get upstairs, you have to run into the hallway. If you run into the hallway, you go right out the front door or left up the stairs. I know these hmm. stairs. I've... I've I spent Christmases in this house um, and like it doesn't make any sense. But if we ignore that and say, OK, she knew the door was double bolted for some whatever weird reason. Fine. So she she runs up the stairs and bolts herself in the bedroom instead. Yep. Prosecution then asks, 
why didn't you yell to the neighbors for help? And the neighbors are, are meters away. So they would mm. have heard her. Um, she then said she passed out from the shock of it all. Oh. She passed out from the shock of it all and she wasn't woken up until nine o'clock whenever um, Isabel rang the doorbell. And that's what roused her from from it. So that was also mm. quite a weird, sketchy change to the story. The other thing was whenever you come down the stairs, you would be directly facing where he was slumped. So she she it would make sense that she would have seen him yeah. like lying in front of the door and she didn't seem to mention it to Isabel. But again, maybe there's something... And following that narrative, that would have been the, like when she was presumably awoken by the doorbell, mm-hmm. she uh, spoke, mentioned the horrible uh, person lurking around. Yeah. Then going down to either go to the door or the garage, apparently. Yeah. Um, that would have been the first time she saw the body. Yeah. So she should have freaked out then. Yeah, probably. Hmm. The whole thing is really strange. And going through the garage whenever she'd you know, decided that um, the guy was lurking in the garage. Yeah. That freaks me out. That massively mm-hmm. freaks me out. But yeah. um, I think there's definitely a lot more going on with Isabel than, than anyone's letting on. Mm. Uh, was there anything else I wanted to tell you about this? I mean, I can see... Like, I don't think it's that weird that she went to the bedroom because if you're suddenly confronted with an intruder in a safe space, like retreating inwards is a pretty natural instinct yeah fight or flight and i guess you're gonna stay in the place that you feel safe and yeah like you said bolt yourself in the bedroom that's fine but adding the fainting all of a sudden is um different yeah also if she didn't see her husband why didn't she go through the front door to let Mm -hmm. isabel in she must have seen him i I mean that, that would be a reason why she wouldn't have done that but you also said according to the first statement during the night that she did mention oh you have to see this it's horrible or something like that yeah but she said that to the neighbor and that was oh i, I thought she said that when uh, was it isabella yeah when she came back and then she decided she got freaked out and she turned around and they both went out instead oh yeah you're right she did she did see something yeah so she must have seen the whole thing is just weird. Um, can we talk motive? Like, what's her motive to to kill her seventy nine year old husband? And if she's going to do it, why then? Why, whenever her niece is taking the neighbor to the bus stop, mm. it's not really a big window of time. It's not a big window, but I'm going back and forward on because some of the later bits, it sounded like there might be not 100%, but the niece being somewhat in on it, that might have been a thing. I feel like because, the niece has to be in some way. Yeah. So you have the uh, the dinner guest there seeing like, oh, everything is happy and hunky-dory. And then they go away. If the niece is in on it, then you stage, oh, intruder and horrible tragedy ensues. Um, but but it... like as for motive, though, I, I can see it. Like if she was not happy... And I'm assuming, well, partially with the lifestyle and the general restrictions, it might not have been a happy marriage. If she was planning this, like going back to the retirement angle, like even if it wasn't a massive payout from, uh, let's say, insurance and stuff like that, just getting something and getting him out of life as opposed to him sticking around, not dying, making her life miserable. Yeah. And definitely not getting any money like that would be a better option right i don't know i just i mean between isabel having 
been staying with them since September. Mm. If it was really an unhappy marriage, it would be super awkward to be in that house. There's no way you'd be hanging around. Yeah, um, but uh, maybe that she saw how horrible it was and then she bonded with the wife know. and then they made a plan. I, I just find the whole thing quite strange in terms of motive, in terms of timing. Mm. She didn't get that much money out of it. I, I'm actually more inclined to believe she just, she cracked somehow. And the other mm. thing is, if the um, coroner was right about the order of the bullets and mm-hmm. it went one by the ear, so through the neck by mm-hmm. the ear, um, that was the close range one. So yeah. that was right up against him. Shot and then what? Step back and then the second one missed. The third one is from at least 30 centimeters away. Mm. And then the fourth one misfires. Yeah. It's a really weird one. Can you imagine stepping in shooting someone point blank in the neck mm. um and then maybe trembling or maybe you've got the it i mean it's a small revolver so i don't imagine there's that much kickback but she's a small woman and then fire and miss fire through the chest misfire and then freak out i can see that happening if you're just thinking okay this is probably someone not that used to uh, the guns in general but just okay man is lying on side on the couch focused on the pipe that's all fine yeah. uh, sneaking up just walking up shooting immediately and either if it's from the bang because that angle might be tricky yeah. uh, but either from the bang or just from feeling or realizing oh shit i got something pointed at me yeah he jerks up yeah. like at the same moment as the first shot goes up and like jerks up Ooh, uh, she kind of panics freaky. fires again misses yeah. okay. while she's backing away yeah, and yeah. then while he might be reeling from the shot he might or just in the process of getting up and then you get a weird angle and then he died from shock and hemorrhage they think so i was gonna ask that as well because you said there were no blood trails or anything but yeah there... no blood trails how does that work so it must have been cleaned up because like but how do you clean if it up it was in the in kitchen? Well? Yeah, there's stone mm. tiles in that kitchen that were there. Mm. They must have been there for a very long time. Mm. Like they were old stone tiles. Yeah. I wonder if I'm like really feeling it right now, being <laughs> back in that house. And um, my dad always had like a really weird feeling about that house. He didn't tell us whenever he lived there. But years oh. later, he said he never he, he never had a good feeling about that house hmm. and now it's like well the trophy wife married the older husband so <laughs> is it really that surprising <laughs> could have happened to you <laughs> but um not quite but hmm. I, I actually really love that house i wonder if they wear the same stone tiles Ooh. Hmm. yeah i guess you don't have luminol and stuff back then so you wouldn't have really been able to check yeah but how do you move a body like that they search the whole house I mean, are they really not going to find a sheet that they'd use to drag the body? Like, they'd but find drag marks. They were, I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't context, get it. Though, like, also in context of how capable the uh, CSI 1930s would have been. Well, they checked for fingerprints in the gun. <laughs> that's something, that's something. Uh, but no, just the fact that, okay, we're pretty certain that, yes, he was lying on the couch in the kitchen. That I was, was impressed by. That I was super impressed by. Mm. But... Like having that, then of course there should have been blood, but then that was cleaned away. Then they could have cleaned away the tracks of dragging him. Wouldn't they see it on the body? Yeah, on I mean, clo- clothing is tricky. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. With the Patricia Curran thing, 
there was so much like odd stuff like the big pile the big pool of blood in the mm -hmm. bedroom years later and the stack of belongings that were totally dry even though yeah. it had been raining and stuff like that mm. i um i don't know this is just it's too clean i don't get it um yeah, there must have been cleaning and i mean that could have been i know fudging with the timing yet again provided the niece was an accomplice uh, working together might have been easier but yeah also just the dragging and stuff like even though as we've established this was a tiny 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 woman yeah um dead people don't really care about carpet burns so there you go and if it's tile, and maybe I don't know, butter them up, butter them, and roll them. They don't. They don't swap for butter after that. Well, they do not. Fair enough. Um, what do you I, I make did... of the witness? By the way, the witness that said there was a guy. I have no idea what to make of that because that could be it anything. Could be and like after after looking into so many crimes, like there will always be someone who saw something or try to get in on stuff. It's so difficult to it could determine if that is just... Some woman who read it in the papers and felt sorry yeah, for her. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, but, but I will say, on, on the um, like premeditated or partially mm -hmm. combined with the house kiss thing, like, yeah. normally I have a very adverse reaction when, especially in this time era, when people like bring up hysteria and stuff like that. Yeah, and no. When you said that it sounded like the husband was trying to get her committed. Yeah. Like that. Well, she thought he was. Um, whether he was oh. or not, she was really convinced he was. But they did specifically go and have her go to a doctor and like check the sanity levels. Yeah. But that in and of itself would have been like, okay, that's horrible, horrible people. Screw that. Yeah. But the combination of like in conjunction with this, mm -hmm. the husband made sure to go and get a full like no no verify that i'm in good health and yeah. i probably shouldn't die unexpectedly that is a bit weird could that makes it sound a bit more that maybe he sensed this coming yeah maybe maybe he yeah maybe it wasn't that she was um insane maybe she was just murderous yeah and maybe he was suspecting some kind of let's fake a heart attack or something yeah they um they didn't I couldn't find that they ever determined it was his revolver. They think it was his re revolver, but um, hmm. I don't know that they ever confirmed it. And Fanny said she wasn't sure, but she thought it was. But, you know, the hmm. whole thing was kind of sketchy. I do I do just get really stuck on the timings of it. Like, why? And also, she seemed like she cared about him. I mean, hmm. why would she bother saying, don't go out in the cold and the rain? to walk to the bus stop just to make sure that he was home so she could kill him according to their plan while the while the semi-witness was escorted away for the murder i don't know why wouldn't you just do it on any other night it's yeah, weird true. it's weird at um, least do like new year's eve and then you have fireworks well maybe yeah, not bang 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 yeah. no one thinks that a, a <laughs> painting fell off the wall in their living room um that's do you want me to tell you? One. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you how I find out about this story? Oh, I would love to. Um. So, whenever I was a kid, uh, well, teenager, um, I was visiting my mum, and her her new husband was Canadian, uh, is Canadian. He's he's very much still around. Um, <laughs> and uh, hi, mum. By the way, hi, Craig. If you're listening, hello. Um, Craig won't be listening. Craig will be horrified. Um, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so my mum's new brother-in-law brought 
a magazine over and it's like really cheap, low budget um, magazine. He like apparently collects really old school Irish and Northern Irish magazines that are low budget and okay. have a crime edge. And this one was called something like Brutal Irish Murders. And he brought around just one <laughs> random issue um, for dinner or for lunch or whatever. Like of all, he just picked a random issue. Yeah. What's your house? Um, well, that's the thing. So my... I guess my stepdad wasn't remotely interested. My mum was sort of like, okay, this is an odd thing to bring around. Um, so it sat there for a while, but it, at some point my stepdad flicked through it and there's a picture of the house. And he said to my <laughs> mum, doesn't this look like, you know? Mm. And uh, and then she asked, I guess, me. And then it was like, yeah. And because it doesn't give the current address, it just described it as Sunnybank. Yeah. Then it, I mean, it doesn't take much to work out that it's the same house. Like it's the same house. <laughs> it's really distinctive. It's, it's five seafront road, Uncle Troll. <laughs> and, um, and the old boathouse is still there. The yacht club's still there. The mooring's still there. Like I, I used to sit there and, uh, sketch and, and I was so excited whenever I found out. And, um, like, I've been dying to tell you this since we started podcasting and I'm like, no, I'm going to save it for an episode. You, you have succeeded. I've not heard this one. And I lived in a murder house. Like you, I lived in a murder house. There was a dead guy slumped against the door. Stepped, crept and slept on a crime scene. Yeah. And my bedroom was the top front of the house. So it could well have been the window that she was leaning out oh. of. Yeah. Could well Good have been. One. I was the top right window. It's nice. It was a nice house. I like that house, even if my dad didn't. <laughs> I, I'm thinking back to the episode where I did the vampire killing and Ooh. trying to think of your faces when I said that I spent a couple of nights there. And okay, I, I might be revising my own memory history, but um, I was shocked. Hmm. But this, like, I don't. I know. mean, this beat, beats that. But. I but <laughs> it it feels so chill. It feels like really divorced from uh, from my life. But then whenever I'm like going, no, the stairs are here and this is here, and mm -hmm. and it's a really old house. So I mean, the the layout might have changed ever so slightly, but not massively. It couldn't have massively. <laughs> it's really interesting. But anyway, that's my story this week. It was a good one, and we technically have a verdict. But would you count this as a mystery? I kind of want to. I I think there's mysterious things about it. Mm. I, I I mean, how did the body get to where the body was? Mm. Was Isabel involved? What do you think, listeners? Mm. Let us know. I think Isabel was in on it. I think Isabel was way more in on it than she let on. I don't know what age she was, but um, they describe her as being a young niece, which mm. could mean anything. It could mean 12. It could mean 22. Um, but who's to say she didn't do it? By the way, you have said niece when referring to her in conjunction with both of them, but I'm assuming on his side or? I actually, I read it as being on her side, but oh, then okay. I, I went back and checked and I couldn't find out. Hmm. So, yeah. Marriage complicates everything. Yeah, I know. Why get married? <laughs> Everyone just stay in your own little single linear pods. Hmm. Anyway, tell me your story. I think we're going to need some refreshments first. We probably need some refreshments. Yeah. I haven't gotten through my massive glass of wine yet. I've been <gasps> talking too much. You've been talking, but you're going to get a listen. Nice. We'll be right back. Welcome back. <laughs> Do you have more wine? I have more wine. 
I got distracted with my wine and my cat. Do you want a top up or are you just no. checking on my well-being? I'm just checking on your well-being. Oh, I'm good. I'm very good on the wine and I have a backup. Good. I also have a crime. Bum, bum, bum. <gasps> I'm excited. Mm. And curious. Jonathan, <gasps> tell me your story. Gladly. <laughs> well, my story. So I did react when you um, mentioned the timing of your crime. No. Because your crime was, it, it, it's not that good, but it's just coincidence. Your crime was 85 years ago. Yeah. On Christmas Day. Yeah. Christmas Eve, but yeah. Okay, Christmas Eve, yes. I'm going to take you with my story tonight to Mexico. Okay. More specifically, the National Museum of Anthropology in Mexico City. Okay. You know what my favorite kind of crimes are, though. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dear. I think you can oh, see where this going. Yeah. So, early in the morning on Christmas Day. Okay. 1985. Hey. hey. I, I see why. Cute. Yeah, that yeah. is cute. So, early in the morning, the museum staff made something of a shocking discovery. At 8 o'clock... Uh, when uh, there was a shift change for the museum's guards, mm -hmm. they realized that 124 priceless Mayan, Aztec, Mystic, and Zapotec artifacts had been stolen. Uh. Sometime probably between around three in the morning or so. Santa, clearly. Mm -hmm. Drunk yeah. elves? Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. Mm. So most of the items were uh, considered priceless, uh, especially, or rather in particular, a uh, jade death mask of the Mayan ruler Pakao. Uh, and all of the ones that we're talking were relatively small, made from either stone, jade, gold, or obsidian. Nice. So there's 124 artifacts. It's wow. Quite a haul. Oh, I'm picturing them and... Those death masks sound cool. They are pretty cool, and I will show you later. I think I saw a hint of a picture of one. <laughs> so, um, as they panicked and scrambled this, like the um, they checked all the objects that were stolen, and uh, the ones that were missing were noted to be like the highest quality and definitely most valuable items that basically that could be removed from the museum without the use of heavy machinery. Okay. So, like portable stuff. Wow, so someone knew their uh, stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like this combined with the complete lack of uh, any clues or traces left after the robbery whatsoever uh, led experts and authorities to conclude that the perpetrators were definitely professionals. And uh, it, there was speculation. It looked like it would probably needed to be an inside job. Ooh, I like inside jobs. It turned out, though, that the museum's security had some issues. So the alarm system had, according to some sources, not been working for over three years. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Well, this is a pretty good fuck you, fix the alarm situation. Kind of. Uh, and that combined with the fact that they were severely understaffed on the security. Uh, so that night, like Christmas Eve... Uh, I think it was only probably nine, just one report said eight, but probably nine security guards were on duty that night. Mm -hmm. And once the crime was discovered and the investigation started, they found across the most of the areas a lot of cookies and empty shot glasses everywhere. <laughs> oh, I love this. I absolutely love this. This is so festive and All wonderful. in the holiday spirit. Yeah. <laughs> 
um, so yeah, the, this kind of pointed to they were probably not operating at peak efficiency that night. Probably not. Um, so the the guards definitely denied that there were any alcohol consumption during by them, the ones on duty. Of course. Uh, they did, however, kind of surprising to me, admit that they had been sleeping instead of walking the rounds that night. So like sleeping after the festivities, I suppose. I don't know. Maybe it's in their contract that it's fine to have a nap, but it's not fine to drink on the job. Impossible. I wouldn't hire someone who was napping on the job. I, I, I think I would actually be more inclined to hire someone who was drinking on the job than napping on the job. Yes. Kind of. I mean, depends neither, on the job. But neither. Uh, neither really. is preferable. Yes, yeah. but if you need to choose, the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, one is thoroughly illegal. Like maybe one is really yeah. prosecutable. Mm. Anyway, uh, I do not know that, but <laughs> that was yeah. a good detail, though. Uh, yeah. So, like all of these guards were thoroughly questioned by the police, uh, but all of them were um, uh, let go. Unfortunately, well. Unfortunately, it might not be the right word, but they were let go. Both they were from, understandably let go. Um, let go from police custody and from oh. their positions. They were also oh, fired. Yeah. I'm not sure how immediate that went, but uh, some uh, news sources interviewed some of the cards as well. And they were pretty certain that even though they were let go, they were still suspects. Yeah, in spite of this like really lax security, um, the officials were really convinced that the perpetrators were professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, some... People speculated that it was the work of like the KGB or the CIA. Okay. Um, possibly Why? professional criminals from Guatemala or Colombia. Okay. We have more. Uh, or the ever popular, I think the newspapers dubbed the concept the psychotic millionaire cultist. What? Um, what, 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 what? As in someone who ordered the job just to like wanting to own and keep the collection in secret, like having it um, rather than... Uh, considering the nature of the objects like them i'm guessing that's where the cultists came from Uh, but just like no no not for selling or for doing anything with just like no no this is my private stash and i will look at it when i feel lonely or whatever the the latter theory was chiefly prominent due to um how well known almost all of the objects were yeah so like they couldn't they basically couldn't be sold to any other museum or um, anywhere on the open market um, so either it was like a private collector or the the alternative raised some fears that uh, the thieves might destroy the objects instead yeah. instead of selling them I mean it's a lot of hassle to go to to destroy stuff I, I hate whenever mm. that happens with art heists yeah that the is, saddest that thing that's horrible I mean, it, I'd rather have someone selfish than someone just destructive. Mm. So the, I do want to mention, because I, I was going to skip this, because there were a lot of theories in general, uh, but one of them, since you kind of brought it up, one of the theories was that it was burglar alarm manufacturers that were behind the heist. Because <laughs> af- oh, after this happened, and like, okay, it's... I'm going to say a little bit too late, but after it happened, the museum invested a lot in security stuff. Well, I'm guessing whenever the heist happened, it was announced that, oh, by the way, their security system hasn't been working for a while. That kind so of it's, came out, yeah. That's whenever you do your big high profile, hey, this is now, uh, we're now hooked up with the latest technology from blah, blah, blah security. Pretty much, pretty much. So oh. that was a theory, but yeah, I was going to skip it. But since you kind of touched on it. I like it. <laughs> uh, so... 
what most of these things that burglar alarm not uh, included have in common was like most of the official theories at least were uh, aimed at some kind of foreign influence like something outside of the country coming so the authorities actually very quickly try to monitor any and all people and items leaving the country uh, they did a lot of cooperation with uh, partially with interpol and other what they call friendly countries uh, for the case and basically tried they were sure that the uh, items were going out of the country so they tried to stop it yeah i mean this was like a massive culture treasure they lost so of course the general public got really upset as well uh, because it's so tied to this was so much from the pre um, like way before any uh, influence came from Europe, etc. Um, so there was an organization called Friends of the Museum that mm-hmm. offered a uh, $110,000 uh, US dollars uh, reward, which is approximately 97,000 euros in today's rate, which of course caused a flood of people calling in tips to the police according to source and the police basically all of the tips they got started off by asking about the reward um so That's super sketchy yeah kind of sketchy and uh, nothing came of it nothing came of the tips so th- this just kept going and um, like there was a lot of outrage in the media at the time uh, calling the thieves or whoever ordered it uh, as an order the crime uh, like enemies of their past and heritage and try to rally all Mexicans against the shameful theft, etc. Fair call. Mm. But like, yeah, this this kind of stirred up the entire country. But in spite of all the publicity and the involvement and determination on all fronts, like no leads, no avenues of investigations bore fruit at all. And the investigators were completely clueless as to who pulled this off. Oh, dear. Until uh-huh. over three and a half years later. Oh, okay. Mm. So we're in uh, 1989. Hey, that's a good year. So, very good year. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine vintage, my friend. So the, uh, the then president, uh, Carlos Salinas de Gortari, sorry for that. Um, he was uh, pushing very hard on the war on drugs in general. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, task forces associated with this successfully arrested Salvador Gutierrez. Okay. Sorry again. Uh, he was a drug dealer linked to a, quote, drug smuggling cult that was linked to twin, over 23 deaths around Mexico City in that time, I think. Wow. Uh, and that's just aside from the drug trafficking. Um, so Gutierrez, he was known as El Cabo. Uh, he had actually provided, as he was arrested by the task force here, uh, he provided some very useful information about the stolen artifacts. Okay. So they, the police finally had a lead to pursue again. And uh, like federal agents started tailing and monitoring one of their new main suspects, uh, Carlos Perches Trevino. And after observing him for like several weeks, they finally made an arrest in early June 1989. In his private house in a suburb of Mexico City, they found and recovered 111 of the stolen pieces. What? And also some cocaine. Well, that's always a nice bonus, right? Yeah. Uh, So, 
he and seven other accomplices were arrested, but it turned out the main perpetrators behind the crime were said to be uh, Carlos, he was then 28 years old, and a Ramon Sardina Garcia, who was 30 years old. Uh, Ramon wasn't immediately arrested, but Carlos's interrogation brought some light on what actually happened on Christmas Eve in 85. Okay. It turned out that the these two mastermind criminals were both veterinary school dropouts <laughs> with ne- negligible criminal history or even expertise. But they had been thorough. Like They had planned the heist for a bit over six months. Uh, they had made more than 50 trips to the museum to stick it out. They'd been preparing by taking photographs, examining the display cases and observing the security guards in general. On the night of the robbery, uh, Christmas Eve again, they had simply jumped a fence, crawled through an air-conditioned duct that led straight into the basement level of the museum, uh, walked through three exhibition halls to find their target, and there they simply removed the wooden frames holding the glass in front of the exhibits, and they just stuffed as much as they could into a canvas bag. Holy shit, so they didn't even like massively... Like, they just went for it. They went for it. They stuffed as much tiny things they could. I mean, they had been looking, so they probably knew a bit more about them. Uh, then stuffed in a bag, went back the same way they came in. Uh, wow. Carlos did state to the police that throughout the entire procedure, they neither saw nor heard a single security card. Which means they were probably not tanking uh, through the alcohol at this point. They probably were all having a nap. I mean, this was like three or four <laughs> in the morning, so they could still have been drinking, just passed out. It's not impossible. I don't know. To me, if you're passed out, you're not drinking. Uh, fair enough. That's my that's, argument. I mean, that's, if anyone asks that's just me, were you drinking? It's no, I was passed out. Yeah, that's that works. Logic works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, after they actually got through with the robbery, uh, they didn't quite know what to do with the loot. So uh, the bag filled with these priceless artifacts, uh, it sat on top of Carlos's closet. Oh for the better part of a year. Oh dear. Just sat there. Uh, and uh, then after about a year, he moved to Acapulco. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the bag came, the bag stayed? He, he brought the bag. He brought the bag because there, uh, they tried to make contact with uh, various drug dealers. And it looks like they did manage to trade a couple of items for cocaine. I mean, sure, why not? Mm, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, they wanted to make, like, a big proper deal of it. So, um, in the end, they managed to get in touch with and approach uh, Gutierrez. Okay. Uh, and try to offer him a deal. Uh, but he turned them down. Because he... I wouldn't say he's not interested. Like, we can't know his motivations. But from... I I don't have enough confirmation of this. But it sounded like they tried to make a really outrageous uh, claim. Uh, of, like, give us all this money for these like sure priceless artifacts but just a random albeit slightly high-ranking drug dealer here's just like nah i'm good um (laughs) so at some point after this they were they didn't have any success and uh, uh, carlos at least moved back to uh, mexico city to the apartment where he was finally caught uh, after they caught uh, gutierrez as well 
So the um, the info on the accomplices is a bit fuzzy, but uh, the, the main pair, um, the, the masterminds, uh, were charged with theft and damage to national treasures, uh, cocaine trafficking, and some other minor points. But like in the end, all but five items that have been stolen were recovered. That's not bad, actually. Which is really good. Most of them were completely intact. Uh, some of them needed most. A, Ooh. Some of them needed a bit of repair. Um, most uh, prominently, the Sabbatic mask of the bat god Murcielago. <laughs> okay. Uh, which was uh, kind of damaged. You said that with serious conviction. It was probably wrong, but eh, conviction counts. Uh, but it was damaged, but so info restoration and stuff like that. Yeah. Like everything seems a bit clear cut, and I didn't like. It's a charming but stupid kind of heist, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but I do feel I should mention. So a few days after his arrest, Carlos apparently retracted his confession, saying that it was made under duress. Okay. And he then also started claiming that he did not know any of the other suspects, aside from his brother, who was also brought in. I don't think he was charged with anything major but he said he knew his brother but denied uh, any kind of knowledge of all the other people there okay and he just denied everything after that and i mean you can't be sure like it is a weird story it might be a weird scapegoat situation but yeah i mean if you have the power to uh to control i don't know millions and drugs then you probably have the power to plant a bag of stuff Oh, you were going for the drug dealer. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I was more thinking police, to be honest. I mean, uh, that works too. Authorities just like, it's been three years. We, I we mean, they, they, they would have to get the stuff, though. That's weird. That's weird. Since they actually recovered everything, that kind of pokes a hole in it. Um, well, if they can't sell it, if there's no value in it, then who cares? No, no, no. I mean, uh, sorry, m- my mind went to basically the police manufacturing a oh suspect. sorry we're on your but theory they, then they would actually have gotten like your theory works no, like if the drug dealer was behind it and then yeah. wanted to unload it just get some stupid veterinary school dropouts and pin it on them and give them some cocaine for good measure like why not it, uh, okay that makes more sense but with the police like what's to stop them finding uh some of the stuff at the side of the road having a chase it's chucked out of the back of the van they get most of it. Some of it's a bit damaged. And they're like, screw it. It's Pin it on possible, someone. possible, I suppose. Yeah, it's all possible. Or maybe the burglar alarm company. I like that one. Everything. I really like that one. <laughs> the burglar alarm company sent uh, a nice little basket of booze to the security guards. Merry Christmas, guys. And then sent a couple of guys in to nick a whole bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. And they jumped, dumped it at the side of the road a couple of months later. And the police are like, we can't just like, we can't just say we recovered it with no explanation. Right. Who are we going to pin this on? There we go. Veterinary, vet, veterinary school. Drop. I can't say it. I'm so happy that you're struggling more than I, because I was kind of paranoid over that. I'm also. I, I didn't actually notice school. you were struggling. Uh, veterinary. I've just been dreading it the entire day. Veterinary. It, it, it sounds, uh. It's so contrived. I just can't. Um, oh, right. I had to say note. So I stumbled across this crime because of um, well, Christmas. Christmas. And a heist, which and I'd heist. never heard of. So I was interested. It was a bit tricky to get proper information, mostly because 
well, partially it's Mexico, um, <laughs> partially because of GDPR. Yay. Oh um, my God, I hate that. Every yeah. time you go on a website and it's like, this isn't available in your country. And it's like, mm, are you yeah. fucking kidding? Um, um, that's the laziest thing. Would, they're bringing in uh, regulations over there next year. So then that would be good. Yeah. Uh, but the final point, which was a bit more prominent, was the fact that most of the references to this crime is related to actually a movie really? that was released this year, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, the movie title is just uh, Museo or Museum in English. It premiered this year. It's basically a um, it's a fictional account. It's not true to life. Okay. Uh, so it's described as a reimagining. And uh, yeah, it's a bit more romantic and focuses on the thieves. And they have more of a, not really a Robin Hood thing, but more of a, um, like liberating the artifacts and kind of opening the discussion on the general treatment of, you know, partially the procurement of uh, artifacts for a museum and how all that is sorted and cut for heritage and stuff like that. So they're leaning a bit more on the, oh, what do you call it? It's not really an anti-hero thing, but yeah, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm staring at you enjoying this rather than <laughs> like, I've got my wine, I've got my story. I'm, I'm quite happy. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, but so no that that movie does not have as many ties to the um actual events as i can see it's more framework but i do have pictures <gasps> i love pictures show so me the pictures top Wipe picture is the death mask wow and the bottom big one is the um the bat god i really like the bat god mm. the death mask is freaky i don't like it they normally are though. yeah but it's the the weird Rabbity teeth. Do I need to take a second? I, he, his two big front teeth and then uh, the the strange eyes. The bat thing. It doesn't look like a bat. It looks like a human dragon thing. Yeah, I can see that. Human dragon. Hmm. Hmm. I will say, as I was trying to find uh, actual photos from the museum of this specific mask, I found some really cool versions of it, though. Um, I'm assuming there are later reproductions, but uh, this was the one from the actual museum. So Nice. Mm. I like it. Yeah, so that was it. It was pretty short and sweet, but it had a lot of elements I liked. And I, I think it's a really fun one to end on. Yeah, and I, I would actually love to learn more about this because, well, partially some conflicting accounts and some uh, issues with resources. But if any listener knows more, feel free to tell us because... I'm interested. And we love when you write to us. Indeed, we will start indeed. manning our uh, channels again. Yes. I've been avoiding it. They will be kicked. Well, they should be going by the time you hear this because then we're back in full force again. Yeah, we need to commit to doing that before releasing this. <laughs> I'm going to deal with the inbox. I, I said it on the recording. That's as committed as you can get. Well, committed that, is doing it. Uh, yeah. We need to have a drink and not just the mm. wine. Indeed. Um, <laughs> I was just sipping my wine. Uh, we need to have this week's drink. I'm thinking we have a gingerbread cocktail. Should we make a gingerbread oh. martini? Something like that? I am very much on board with that. Yeah, I'll mm -hmm. uh, do it with some nice seven-year-old dark rum. Oh, yeah? You speak to me. From my leaving, from my leaving party that uh, didn't get finished. Oh, right. Yeah. Which was unconventionally stored and moved around right? yeah i um my so 
for context, dear listeners, I was at the same company for four and a half years. Jonathan and I were dear colleagues for several of them. And as part of my farewell, we ended up uh, doing shots at my desk, which was really, really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had a, my last day was on a Friday and we had a nice drinking session and board game night in the office on the Thursday. And then the Friday late afternoon, we did shots at my desk, gin, Irish gin, uh, rum, whiskey, and I think that was it. Hmm. Yeah, we had the honey whiskey, we had the regular whiskey, we had rum, and we had Irish gin. And I I was informed that my desk smelt of alcohol for a good week afterwards <laughs> because it was spilt on the carpet and it just, <laughs> it just smelt like a brewery. Well, not even a brewery, a distillery. Mm. I was really impressed. A lot of people who uh, don't really drink actually drank. It was good. That's always a good thing. I, I want to mention who, but they would be so embarrassed. <laughs> I do think that I'm going to copy you, though, uh, whenever I'm having a leaving thing. You're going to leave? You can't say that. You haven't committed to leaving. I said whenever, because You're not at one point I will stop working, I hope. What, retirement? I, as far as I know, I'm not immortal, so. <laughs> That's um, a good way of putting it. But, um, yeah, just last day, like open a bar on your desk. I like that. I, I actually really liked mine. I just, I left too much work to the last minute and uh, I felt too bad leaving it. So then I ended up trying to get it all done. So I was working way too late. But you had shots, so. I mean, after I'd done most of the work. Fair enough. I, like I didn't do work after I started doing shots, <laughs> but it was very sweet. It was very sweet that people did shots with me, even the non-drinkers mm-hmm. and people were at the bar before I got there. Santa brought cake. That rainbow she cake did. will stay with me for a very long time. <laughs> and then I, after many, many drinks, was telling anyone who came near me or the cake, you're not having any of the cake. It's like, I'm not after your cake. Like, you were it was very like possessive. Linus. It was good. The cubs. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was my hangover cake. I had still no idea where it came from, how it managed to get home, but that cake was wonderful. <sighs> Rainbow, Rainbow cake. cake. Sana, Sana, you legend. <laughs> okay. Gingerbread martini, you up for it? Martini time. Yes. Okay. We'll be right back. Yes. We're back. We're back and recording with and drinks. Cocktails. I haven't had a proper cocktail in months. Really? Probably not. I mean, we haven't recorded in months. But do you not order cocktails when you're out? I'm broke. That's a fair uh, point. As a state of life. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, to be honest, I have made kind of weird random cocktails at home, I suppose. Yeah, uh, I'm so paranoid you're going to spill that thing. I'm on top of it. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I wouldn't be. <laughs> this better? Mm, yes. Okay, maybe we should drink it to alleviate <laughs> your fears. Because I'm really excited about this. I've just smelled it. Well, I, I watched you mix it as well. But... Shall we? Yes. Um, do we have a name? Um, you said gingerbread martini? Yeah, I hate um, whenever people call stuff martinis. It's yeah. not a martini. Uh... I don't know. Let's just drink it and decide later. Ginger funnel of something? No. <laughs> okay. Then. You're really going to spill that. Oh, I'm fine. You, you laugh and then it's just, it's jiggling anyway. No laughing 
and a toast instead. Okay, cheers. To season two. To season two. Mm. Yeah, this is making me feel festive. Oh, that's layered. Isn't it? Mm. Oh, the butter, the addition of the extra dash of butterscotch was really good. It needed the extra butterscotch. Mm. So we have vodka, butterscotch liqueur, vanilla liqueur, uh, frangelico, hazelnut liqueur, that is, um, and ginger liqueur. Mm-hmm. There's not even any um, citrus in it to cut it. It's just pure sugar and alcohol <laughs> i mean the ginger does most of the job yeah i feel like the ginger makes yeah. it um cuts through it mm. i could have this in a highball glass it's just dude you're so broken Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, i um yeah i miss this this is good mm. it feels good to be back yeah we need to do like a peppermint hot chocolate boozy thing oh. next time for sure oh i was gonna put rum in this not vodka why did i put vodka in it oh yeah the fancy rum <laughs> dude how did that happen i completely missed it yeah me too oh, horrible. oh why did i put vodka in it well it, it works it's clear it's shiny mm. rum would have been nice i think rum would have been better yeah well decisions were made you shall we just pour some rum in it i'm so not i do <laughs> Oh, you got me excited, but okay. You you no, can the, pour some rum in it. I, I really... This is really tasty. I wouldn't want to mess it up just on principle. I'm going on holiday this weekend. I'm going to Ljubljana. I yeah. uh, I don't want to be sick. W- would rum make you sick? Or? Well, I feel like drinking too much alcohol is not going to help me get over my cold. No, but I mean, alcohol kills all the bad things. That's why you disinfect you know, scalpels and shit. Yeah, this is what the medical student I used to live with used to do. Drink a lot of tequila whenever she got sick. How did that work out? I don't know. She seemed happier. Hey, that's success in my book. <laughs> she was cool. Um, yeah, I think I actually might change my crime for next time and pick a Slovenian one. That would be suitable. Yeah. Well, you should really... Oh, there aren't many days left so you have a couple days before you leave yeah and i was thinking if you can investigate something in the vicinity and then go and like stalk check the crime scene yeah i can do that i have a layover in paris for a couple of hours so Mm. i'll uh i'll spend my time researching at the airport (laughs) that would be ridiculous no that's a good plan i I actually don't even know what i'm gonna do over there yet have a vacation explore enjoy yourself I usually plan meticulously. Mm-hmm. They have dragons. Well, dragon statues on bridges. That's good. So, you know, um, Tallinn, Estonia is like mm-hmm. really, they have cats everywhere. Cats are mm-hmm. like their thing. Um, Slovenia is dragons, apparently. Huh. So Canada, it's beavers. Slovenia, dragons. Scotland, unicorns. Yeah, true, true. I should go, though. I, I am planning on having some kind of random Eastern Europe trip you early should. next year. Oh, we're, we're calling it random? No, no, I will go on a random one. Why random? Why? why? Because it's exciting. Be purposeful. So, I mean, it's the purpose is just to get fun travels. But, um, yeah, random Eastern Europe trip would be nice, but I was also thinking uh, when I I recently had a way less exotic trip to Belgium. Hey, oh, 
Hey, you went to in the creepy, creepy caverns. This is true. Tell me about that. So, first of all, what are the creepy, creepy caverns? (laughs) It's in Antwerp where they have a a lot of canals. And one of the canals were basically kind of bricked over and shut down. So they were going to do that in Amsterdam after World War II. They were going to Mm. brick over a whole bunch of the canals and make the city more car friendly. Oh, really? Yeah. um, And there was a bit of an outcry. And in the end, they decided not to do it. And that's why Amsterdam still has all of the canals. But they really considered it for a while. So Overtome used to be a canal. Oh, this I've heard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, and there's loads like that, but it could have been the entire city. Mm. So Antwerp, they had the same thing, except they did brick over the canals? They did. It wasn't quite an accessibility issue. So the first attempt at breaking it up was back uh, when Napoleon ran around there. Napoleon uh, got in everywhere. He brought in the numbering system in the houses in Amsterdam, by the way. Oh, Before that, you had gable stones and numbers in the houses. Or sorry, gable stones and names, and then he brought uh, in the numbers. Them being a bit behind on that might, like, I'm still so annoyed. Uh, the Netherlands is the worst offender in my point where, like, to me, it's common sense. Like, if you have a street, on every street corner, you should have signs with the names of the streets so you know <laughs> where you are. I, okay, I completely agree with you. <laughs> I don't think Amsterdam is that bad. Like, I... You can... The last time... Ever you you need to Dude, go up and check someone's mailbox to figure out what street you're on normally. I mean, yeah, okay, you're right, but also, I was in um, London what last week, the week before, and I was trying to find mm. my hotel, and my phone is doing this thing where it will not tell me what direction I'm oh, facing, so I won't know I'm walking the wrong way until you know it's showing the little yeah. dot moving 180 degrees, um, but. I'm amazed there's no street signs anywhere. And it's, well, I mean, that's not true, but it's so much worse than here. It's so much fucking worse than here. Yeah. Or at least it is by London Wall. Hmm. Wankers. (laughs) Oh, anyway, uh, Napoleon. Napoleon. When Napoleon went there, he was not a fan of city, mostly because this, um, the canal was called the the Rauen, I think. The what? The Rauen. Um. Yeah, I'm even worse on the uh, Belgian Flemish type deal than the um, Dutch. So uh, (laughs) it had basically been used for years and years as just the toilet. Uh, And he was not a fan of the smell. So he tried to start an initiative to cover it up, which came barely halfway, I think. Um, Covered sewers is like, I can get on board with that. Hmm. Uh, but what actually made them covered up completely in the end was the fact that, well, not the fact, it was just the Black Plague kind of came and everyone was dying and someone figured out that ah, maybe, you know, all the infected people bathing in the canal, etc. might not be a good idea. Bathing? Um, in I, this I stinky, horrible water? It's uh, less on uh, in that specific canal, but I know I, we were shown some wonderful paintings and wood cuttings of basically a dude using a drinking fountain, which had, I know, 15 plague-ridden corpses lying around it or something like that. Um, we went camping um, as teenagers in the Mourne Mountains in Ireland. Mm. And yeah, one of the things you're taught is always pull the water nearest to the source mm-hmm. and you still would see like people in your group or in in like so you you have a small group that you are in 
the same tent with, but mm-hmm. you're part of maybe a group of 40 or 50 uh, other teenagers. And some of them are just like filling up a water bottle and there's a dead sheep like four meters away. And it's like, what is wrong with you? What is yeah. actually wrong with you? They're just not looking. Ugh, it's the grossest thing. And you have these little yeah. sterilization tablets and you put it in. It's like, it's probably just salt. It probably doesn't do anything. Pure placebo. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, Black Plague. Uh, they finally covered everything up and then they drained it and tried to sort it. And now it's just like an underground tunnel, which is kind of amazing and creepy. Just filled with weird spiders that shouldn't be able to live in Europe like at all. Like live spiders? Oh, yeah. Are they big? Did I not send you the photos of that? No. So for the majority of this underground canal thing, you can just look on the side of the walls uh-huh. and you see it looks like basically bad dust collections with a lot of black spots in them. And it's not? It's it's just like every little ba- black spot is a spider nest. Wow. And like the entire wall is just like perforated with just thousands on thousands of spider nests and a lot of spiders running around some we found some nice little uh pupae cocoon things with some babies on the way and just like everywhere and are they poisonous i guess not it's europe I doubt it. um can you well, hold to, them to be can fair, you touch the, them the, the like, only uh, the only place where uh, you can find these spiders is i think it was somewhere in south america or so because they normally can survive but because of the very stable humidity and such and this completely closed off underground canal they're completely fine and very little light oh yeah wow basically just a very disco assortment set up by the tour guide company Uh, you're not allowed to go in on your own apparently you can i know get lost and or die or get dirty i'm imagining harry potter aragog carrying you off (laughs) well aragog's baby's carrying you off (laughs) Yeah. Wow. No, they were not that big. They were, let's say... Well, that's how they start. They're all the little ones, and the Spider King is in the middle of it. Inch, I guess, with Yeah, legs. an inch, like two and a half centimeters, including yeah. legs. That's not that big. Yeah. No, no, they, they weren't that big. They, Are they, they fast? Were cute. Uh, they were pretty... They didn't really care about us, I think. Nah. We were mostly just walking around, shining a light on them. And um, apparently there's normally a lot of rats. We only saw one rat, though. I... I know rats are gross and blah, 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 but I also kind of find them cute. And I know they're intelligent. They can be really cute as pets. I really want to go. I want to I want to go and see the creepiness. And but I thought there were like skulls and dead people and stuff. No, no, it's not like a catacomb. So this was literally just there used to be a canal. They boarded it up completely. And like the street levels have been raised a bit as well, I think. So it's completely shut in. They have, when they started, they were trying to use it for some other things as well. Uh, but then a lot of workers started dying uh, until they kind of realized that, oh, shit, you know, air circulation might be a good thing in here. Air circulation might be. Yeah, I, I mean, it was literally as an afterthought. They had to put in like uh, air uh, chimneys almost, oh. just like breathing holes. Wow. I think it was... 20 something 24 or so they started with but now there were only three or four left wow uh, but it's really cool so we were walking and you can look up and you just see oh there's a really tall chimney and you see the sky but uh, our wonderful little guide showed us some um, aerial photos with uh, showing how it looked from the outside and it's basically just like three really tall chimneys yeah. in between the buildings sticking up 
which is really just, tall. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes up and above the buildings wow. and just to get air down to the underground canal thing. That's crazy. Mm. Nice. No, it was fun. You saw things. I need to see if there's a ghost walk in Ljubljana. I can't believe I haven't thought about it. You should check that. I mean, it's a really small town. Mm. Well, it's a really small capital city. I think that my travel partner would have informed me if there was a ghost walk in um, Antwerp. But what made me think of it, though, was the fact that I haven't heard that many crimes from Belgium that aren't... Gang-related? I was just going to say boring and diamond-related. Oh, really? And I thought of that because there were a ridiculous amount of jewelers and, like, diamond signs all over town. Yeah, but, I mean, Antwerp was the diamond place. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to find out if Ljubljana has a ghost walk. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to see if there's a Slovenian crime I can do. Mm -hmm. And we will be back next week. Now I feel the pressure to immediately plan a travel for this weekend and try to find a crime but uh. nah you'd be good you'd be totally good mm. um just pick something bleak something bleak okay well i don't know i i'm imagining eastern I europe uh, just just pick something from a neighboring country oh okay. you could pick italy mm. you could pick croatia i was thinking a bit further away okay i have this crime that i've been sitting on for a long time oh then do that whatever it is just I'm do it curious but but no now that you mention it i'm I'm going to have a look around and see what I find. Because I'd already picked what I was doing next week. And, oh. well, you know, because you asked me. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just gave me the standard location and uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I, I will change it. Hmm. And I will find a Slovenian crime. <laughs> there we go. There's the plan. Um, I've been really crappy with uh, keeping up to date on our social stuff, but... Our Twitter is definitely going to be up and running again by this point. We've been on hiatus. These we have happen, been on hiatus. When you hear this, you will have you will had have had the uh, season intro. Yeah, what so you should know all about my turmoil. Yes, and uh, how we've we've been. Yeah, we've been on a break. Yeah. We've but been on we'll, stress leave. We'll be catching up on Twitter by now. So. Yeah, we're definitely going to be catching up on Twitter. Mm. Um, you can always hit us up by email, crimebythebar at gmail or as mentioned, Twitter. We like Twitter, so go just go to at Crime by the Bar if you want to tweet at us. And there's nothing else I'm willing to commit to updating right now. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, you can check us out on Facebook. We do put our episodes up there, but neither oh. of us ever really go on there. I never use Facebook. I completely forgot we even had a Facebook. Yeah, thing. I got a notification today that we have a new like on uh, for our Facebook page. Hey, look at that! But um, so, if you want to find other people who are into us, you can find them on our Facebook page. We won't be there, or we'll seldom be there. I guess I should log in and like it or something. Anyway. Cool. I think that's it. It feels so good to get through a proper recording with crime again i i really don't want to stop but i guess we should round off we should round off i have a cat on my knee i will shortly mm. carry her to bed you need to finish your drink slash my drink <laughs> and um that's it we will see you next week mm-hmm. goodbye for our listeners we missed you we're glad to be back we missed you thank you for listening and see you next week bye bye I just like cheese.
You you cheese had some of that cheese last time. Oh, the cheese was amazing. Oh, I got some of the cheddar out for Angel last night, mm-hmm. and she was like, "What is this cheese?" Or rather, "What is this cheese?" And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, all French people. Angel is glorious. I'm not doing it justice, but anyway. Um, I'm assuming that Angel is not a listener. I hope not. She's not after that. <laughs> um, 